This is Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy, brought to you by Everything Cowboy. We're back. Welcome to episode number 19. These Niff, that's French for 19. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Thank you for uh, explaining that to us all. Next time you go to Quebec City, they know one number in French. 19. I need these Niff poutines. <laughs> these Niff Bud Lights. You're at the bar. After the show. D's enough, 19? D's enough. Give me D's enough Bud Lights. Is that what I, how old I say I am? I'm D's enough. Hi. I'm 19. <laughs> I'm 19. Okay, well, this is episode 19. <laughs> Cowboy shit. It's Ted and Wacy. It's been a long day. From Quebec. Live from famously known as Little Quebec. <laughs> <laughs> the poutine belt of Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Calgary poutine belt. The Okanagan Cider Belt. Okanagan Cider. Number one cider in Canada, baby. Put that in your pipe and <sighs> drink it. It's refreshing. How about, you should be drinking it out of your nice little cider mug I got you. Oh, can I do that? Yeah, you can do whatever you, It's your mug, man. It's I your, thought that was a camping mug. It's your world. I'm just living in it. Well, I don't know about that. You're just living... It's, it's, my, it's my house. You're just living, you're <laughs> yeah. just living in it. <laughs> yeah. It's my basement. You're just, it's you your, just dwell in it's it. It's your house. I'm just living in it, man. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because it's true. It's funny because it's so true. I live <laughs> in the basement at the end of the hall. At the end of the hall. It's a nice little place. Right underneath of me. It's weird. It is so kind of weird. That's not that weird. <laughs> There's weirder things can happen, but we're basically like roommates. It's like we're in bunk we beds. We are roommates. It's like bunk beds. Except. It's full rooms. Yeah, there's a floor between us. So it's bunk beds, basically. Yeah. So there's not, there's Adult a lot of room. bunk beds. A lot of room. Yeah. <laughs> Adult bunk beds I like yeah. that It's a good one I mean Yeah Except I had to tell Wacy That the Netflix And chill hours Are over at 11pm Curfew Curfew I need to get my sleep Papa Ted Papa Ted Yeah Gotta be quiet down there Shh Damn kids <laughs> <laughs> What do I do Just stomp on the floor Yeah Just Hey We, we should get some, We should do some can, hey. We should get some can, uh, Like cool a little a, str- a string in a can A string in a can oh, that, Does that actually work Hey shut the hell up Down there <laughs> <laughs> if I had enough, I'm trying to sleep. I'm trying to go to sleep. I'm trying to sleep. Yeah, it's could happen. Could happen. So we're back. Oh. Another episode. Another yeah. Monday. Yeah, and last Monday we were like really hung over from Camrose, the jam, the old Big Valley Jamboree. Oh yeah, we were there. Yep. That's happened since last podcast. That was a nice time, wasn't it? I had a, I had we a went, heck, I had a heck of a time. We uh, commandeered. Cody Boy Floyd. Cody Boy Floyd's camper and now uh, took on the Jamboree. That's a hot rig. That is a hot rig. I kind of want to buy it, but he's like, no, you don't want to buy it. Just keep renting it. Yeah, that's good. It's a good little thing to rent. We had a good time. We'll take it to Weasel's wedding. It'll be a good time. Yeah. Maybe we'll take it on some other adventures too. I don't know yet, but I kind of like it though. Take the pod on the road. We, could, we should take the pod on the road, eh? Road pod. We should have done a podcast at the Jamboree. That'd have been fun. Right on top of Monty's birthday. With with Monty. And Griff is a special guest. Special <laughs> guest Griff. <laughs> After you get hauled out of the... After you get stretchered out of the beer gardens. <laughs> yeah. Holy. No boots on. Uh, how about that... Uh, that's a funny oh, story. Man. How about that cake of Monty's too? Huge cake. If you haven't seen it on social media, check it out. People like the photo, but I don't know if they're liking the cat on the photo. But not, not as many people know Monty as well as we do. I don't know how much he hates cats. So that's, we, why, that's the what's the deal with the cat. So we went to the Dairy Queen and I bought a cake with a cat on it. It was blue and it had a cake on Monty it. Monty hates on it. cats. Yeah. He's a dog guy. He... <laughs> 
he i think he enjoyed the cake oh yeah it was well it's ice cream cake so you can't not enjoy it yeah i mean there's something wrong with you if you don't i mean unless you're lactose yeah then you that's then you're okay but but if you're not lactose and you don't like ice cream cake i hate you I don't think I've seen him laugh that hard in a while. Like no, he, that was he, a good laugh. He has some good chuckles here and there, but like, whew, mm-hmm. that was a dandy that of was a laugh. Good, good, that was a good highlight of the event, that's for yeah. sure. My highlight, the pierogi truck. Oh, yeah. At I what? At some what? Pierogies. 2 a.m. or when did you have your pierogs? I had the first plate at about 12.26 in the a.m. Then I went into the beer gardens and Oh, dro- you went pierogies then beer. And then back to pierogies. And you didn't even puke. So you had no, two I don't know. Of I don't, yeah, I had two full plates of pierogies and sausage. Oh wow! And a full party. Wow. So whatever, it was awesome. Wow. Yeah. So BBJ was fun. We did. I did my first solo gig at El Nora this week as well. Oh yeah, on this the, past on week. The tunes. You took the podcast gear and uh, and did a full uh, show. Did at some El announcing. Nora. Yeah. I'm. I had fun. It was good. I could. I could do more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you will. I got some compliments on my announcing. It was good. From all the people there. From all 12 people. <laughs> <laughs> Great event, though. This guy's glad to be a part of it. And a good bull riding on Saturday, too. I believe it. Mm-hmm. It's always good. That's always a good show. Yeah, Elnora, good show. Uh, 20th year. How many That's bull ridings cool. are there in Canada that have 20 years down? Not Oyen, many. Oyen just took turn 20 this year. But besides that, I was thinking... What's the Glen Keeley at? Uh, it would be only... It would like, be at like would be pushing 15, 13, probably. 14. Yeah. Uh, Saskatoon has had a bull riding for a long time. It's been different yeah, events. Manor fun days. Manor, yeah. Manor's been around a long time. Um, what else? Off the top of my head. I'm not sure. There's lots. But There's like, not lots. Lashburn had been around for quite a while, but it's, it's not done. consistent now. Mm-hmm. Etonia had a lot of bull ridings. Oh, yeah. Etonia was uh, good. Lethbridge has been around for quite a while. Yeah, Lethbridge is a good one. Prince Albert's been around yeah. for quite a while. But they'd be like 10 years, wouldn't they? Yeah, 10, 12, 13, 14, 15. But like, yeah, not very many have 20 in a row. No, it's and then like just cool. standalone bull ridings. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, and I think Oyen was one of the first ones, mm-hmm. which would mean that Elnora would have been one of the first ones as well in the same year. So mm-hmm. yeah, That's pretty cool. 20 years of bull busting. They gained out a lot of money there too. Wasn't it like 150000 over the 20 years to yeah, that bull riders? that they've paid out to bull riders and another uh, 150000 they've donated to charity as well. And Elnora's done a heck of a job with the uh, the grounds there and... It's a cool. That's state. an awesome. Like for the given the like the size of the community and how everybody buys into it all. It's oh yeah, pretty, I love seeing that kind of stuff. It's, oh, yeah. it's pretty cool. It was it was standing room only there on Saturday, and then uh, same with Friday. Yeah, we had a huge rainstorm come through, but that's uh, that's life. That one video of Justin riding that was pretty raw, isn't it? Yeah. The rain, yeah. Did you Four see? Did you see the one that Dale Brisby posted with that guy riding the oh, hailstorm? Yeah. That was similar. A, that's such a cool video. There, theirs was a little more aggressive, but similar. Okay, so today's show, episode number 19. Hot episode. Filmed in front of a live studio audience. At Montana's. Signal Hill, Calgary, with our good friend. Southwest Calgary. Terry Andrew of ATB Financial. He's our guest on the show, and that's coming up next. You're listening to Cowboy Shit, brought to you by Everything Cowboy. Live on location from Montana's in Signal Hill, Calgary. With our guest this week from ATB Financial, Terry Andrew. Terry, uh... How are things going? It's been a while. We haven't got to catch up much this summer yet. Uh, it's been pretty good. How about you guys? Yeah, doing good. What do you think, Wacey? Not too bad. I got my man mug sitting at the table. <clears throat> Just had a nice barbecue feast. Feeling pretty good. Yeah, we had a great supper here. Had some ribs and Terry had some tacos and Wacey had a few. Uh, Wacey and Cody, Cody Floyd also on location today, had a, uh, yeah, they had a romantic dinner for two. It was a little weird, but. Lady in the Trampish, eh? <laughs> I was just waiting for the candlelight to come out. They did not order spaghetti. <laughs> oh man 
Okay, Terry, we recently talked to a guy that you know very well on the show, Scott Schiffner. Uh, Scott and you have worked together since, I want to say, 2013. Is that correct? Yeah, it's right around there. It's one of those relationships that took a couple of years to develop. We didn't instantly consummate this relationship. It kind of like dated for a while and then went at it, but uh, it's really been good for both, I think for both parties. That's probably how some of our folks, our listeners would know you. Can you speak to that uh, relationship much with Scott, like in what how it works and how it came to be and you said you guys talked for a few years before you guys got something going but i kind of i'm kind of interested this is i want to talk about this as a sponsorship side of of things for the podcast and and just speak to that a little bit well i think the you know the funny thing here that we uh we looked at was you know first off were we aligned with values because that's the thing that you know you want to make sure that you and i talked about this with the beer scenario earlier we don't want somebody being sponsored by the ATB, but banking with Nova Scotia, right? So the you know we made sure that the values were aligned with the 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 earnest of the relationship was there and the true sincerity of the relationship was there for and benefit both sides. So we've got probably a a thirty page contract in place, and probably we read about two paragraphs of that because it really down boils down to the deliverables and. When Scott and I started talking, we met, we got introduced, and I don't even know who introduced us, but it, it really turned out really well right from the get-go in the beginning, and then we started looking at things and how Scott could add value to the relationship. So it wasn't about him re, uh, riding and wearing our shops or our logos. It was about his involvement with 4-H, his involvement with the riders, you know, and he sits up on the shoots and he's not performing, he's he's helping out, you know, and then there was that cross-pollinization with Jordan Eberly, you know, and Scott told me the story that at Stampede, this guy's pulling a cinch and he's going, hey, do you want, you know, 3,000 more followers, I'll just post something, and it turned out to be Jordan Eberly, who's one of our contracted athletes at the well at the same time, so... It wasn't done overnight, and uh, it won't be done after Scott's retired either. Can you can you speak to some of the details of that? Yeah, we kind of set out expectations of like how many performances, how many visits, how many branch visits we do. Social media becomes a big part of it, where he travels to. You know how much social media he posts, and he's slacking right now. He's winning and he's slacking of all things, but I think he uh, adapted it very quickly. He has a good following, and those are things that we're looking at as we start to build a stable of of uh, athletes. You know how much of a social impact do they have in scott's case he he really came across as having the ability to reach out to other audiences not just in the rodeo scene and not just bull riding but you know with his 4-h and with his three daughters and what he does and the fact that he traveled with uh premier harper over to china and you know so the the things that he does that allows us to get to a new audience not just from bull riding or not just from rodeo and i think those are things as we get into more relationships, those are the things we're looking for because if we want the core rodeo business or the segment, we can get a rider and we can do that, but we want that broad base to go out. And I think bull riding was a natural one for us as we see the PBR starting to explode, right? You know, ownership, Jerry Jones takes his stake in it now and he's gone mainstream. It's on TV, it's on cable TV, it's on public TV. So bull riding was a natural fit for us to reach out and, and have that ability to to cross-pollinize and probably one of the best things that we did was travel Alberta came to Calgary with a whole bunch of uh, outfitters from South America and uh, we brought Scott and we introduced him played a little bit of his bio visually and all of a sudden after he spoke for about 15 minutes everybody lined up for his autograph because everybody wanted to meet a real cowboy and hang out with a cowboy and when we can do stuff like that that's a huge thing for us and and Scott you say uh Scott's a real cowboy, and that's not just in the bull riding sense, but ranches every day and takes care of animals every day, and it, he's not just a cowboy in the rodeo arena. No, that and, you know, add to that the concussion story that he tells, 
we do the food thing. We had Maddie Madison, one of the prominent chefs out of Toronto, come to his ranch a couple of years ago, did some film on uh, Vice. Yeah, so Maddie Madison was doing a broadcast on culinary adventures, and he, I got a phone call from John Jackson, a prominent chef in, in Calgary here, who owns Charcut, and John says, Terry, you got to know somebody who's ranching close that we can go out and do some videotape, who's, you know, good in front of the camera and who can be spontaneous and everything like that. And first guy I thought of was Scott. So we took Maddie out there and spent the afternoon. So Scott's on Vice now. So just a little episode, but it's, it's those other things that we look at how they can help the relationship on both sides, both from a visibility for Scott and the performer, as well as uh, ATB. Just tying into what you talk about with Scott and everything, like what what's it going to take for like our other high-level guys and stuff like to market themselves and get them into that kind of same level or like kind of relationships that Scott has himself in? Like, where, like what do you see that guys need to do to kind of get to that point of their career? It's a two-sided question or two-sided answer that I'm going to say. I think there's... The, the approach that everybody's trying to do is everybody's trying to hook their wagons to the big brands. You start to see brands like Yeti up here. Everybody wants Yeti. Everybody wants Wrangler. Everybody wants, you know, nobody wants Marlboro or Copenhagen anymore, right? You don't want those. But then you look at someone like Fallon Taylor. And, I mean, she's got absolutely no sponsors, you know? So she's gone out and created her own brand. She's made wearing a helmet luxurious and, and glamorous for young girls. She colors her hair. She's got a fashion line of clothing. You know, and she's created her own brand. So if I were to start up something like this, if I was the athlete on this side of the coin, I'd probably look at social media, the way that they're doing social media in the U.S. on a, on a big scale of endorsements and product and unique utilization of a product and attempt it that way rather than trying to circle the same wagon that everybody's trying to do, right? Like if you look at the patches, they're pretty consistent with Monster, Monster Energy Drinks and Stanley Tools and Yeti and, and Wrangler and those. But you're not seeing the intrinsic movement to go to other brands that don't associate it with it like i'd look at things as what what value do i bring to the table in a relationship and i'd look at something like you know aaa which is the alberta automotive association and say i'm traveling a lot i can bring some value by writing articles about local food local beer and have create content to help your brand so i'd i'd look at it the opposite way of probably everybody's looking at it right now and see how can i add value to that company so if, if I was Zeke Thurston, I'd be hitting up Travel Alberta as well as maybe uh, Vegas Tourism because he's performing there every single year, right? You know, so you look at things that aren't, aren't directly into the industry or into that audience, or, but how do you get outside that audience? You talked about those new coolers and stuff like that. You know, how do I get there? So I'd be looking at product and companies and services that aren't participating in the rodeo industry rather than everybody going after the Coors and the Budweiser and stuff like that. I'd be looking outside and go, what are the trends that are occurring on the outside coming inward? So stuff like Zappos, stuff like, uh, you know, water companies. Like you would have thought years ago, everybody was chasing Winston and Marlboro. Not anymore, right? So where, where, does someone, where would someone start, though, if they were going to look into the, a company like that, though? I don't know the honest answer, like, right off the top of my head, but I'd think that you got to look at yourself and say, what value do I want to bring to the table? Am I winning? Am I constantly on that podium? Because those are the things Scott brought, right? He's a winner. He's won national championships. He's won, you know, the CFR multiple times. So he's constantly on that everybody's top of their lips. Scott Schiffner, Scott Schiffner. So you you want to make sure that you're performing well and up to speed. After that, it's kind of like, what values do I have or what do I lo- what, what would I spend my money on? You know, if I'm buying boule boots, then you'd naturally migrate to something like that you'd want to wear, right? For me today, I, I'm not wearing Wranglers, I'm wearing Levi's. So I'd migrate to a Levi or something like that. 
So it's where you spend your money, how your your money is spent, and who you align your values with. That's, that's a really good way to put it. Like you mentioned like earlier, like, like you'd want to sponsor somebody who sponsor like BATB and sponsor somebody who banks with CIBC, or like we talked about when we're eating supper. Like you want to if you're sponsored by Labatt and you're not drinking Labatt products on like spending your own money on that kind of stuff. That really like person doesn't really think of that little thing like that and it's it's a key like a huge key to it all those things too and then you got to look at intrinsic little things like mobile devices you know what brands you migrate to the, the headphones that we're wearing tonight you know but there's a lot of cowboys and, and rural people who enjoy those brands too and want to wear them so who becomes a spokesman for for the rodeo circuit if you're wearing beats or skull candy or whatever the brand is right apple versus microsoft or apple versus google phones you know google phones are are new and in their technology with their laptops. So you look at things that people use in their regular day life, but maybe aren't into that vertical sector yet and say, I can emerge with some kind of new profile. I never, I don't think I ever saw Stanley Tools 20 years ago in rodeo. It was the farm equipment companies, the Heston Rodeos, Heston Farm Equipment, Case, John Deere, stuff like that. But now we're starting to see different companies come in and out of agriculture and rodeo. Those are the things I'd be looking for is who's not in there that should be in there. Travel companies, you know, airline companies. Look at WestJet. Why wouldn't I go see WestJet? I'm traveling a lot. What about Tide laundry detergent on a rainy, on a rainy muddy stampede? <laughs> you know, I, I thought of that one because I think that would be a great promo for the Calgary Stampede, right? On a, on a rainy, wicked day in, in Stampede. Tide would be your daily sponsor because that would be like a, a pop-up opportunity for them. You know, the other ones I think of is even with the Stampede is Bud Light. That experience that they had where they flew certain amount of people to the baseball games or to the football games to the Super Bowl. Why wouldn't they do that for the Calgary Stampede? You know, to me, that no-brainer. Or if you look into the, you know, technology end of things with, with cameras, like why wouldn't Canon take on somebody in a sponsorship or Nikon or wow, what's that new phone that comes out of China now? Huawei, I think, eh? Hockey Night in Canada, blue-collared audience, right? So you kind of look at stuff like that. You look at tool companies, you look at car companies. Those are the natural fits. But I think as technology comes into play, you look at the people who aren't entering the market yet and look for opportunities to get in front of an audience that's exciting. You know, I go back to the UFC. I go back back to wrestling, the WWF. You know, look at the brands that are associated with those that audience and what they're interested in. I think another one for UFC is, isn't Jack Daniels part of it? So, again... Heavy skewed male, you know, active, active lifestyle and uh, love their physical sports, right? Their aggressive sports. So, but what's that next brand that's coming in? You know, certainly a Lululemon's not going to work. I think part of what you're getting at is, is something that hasn't happened as much in rodeo in the sense that I don't think rodeo, a lot of our folks know their, know who the fans are. Like, I don't think there's been a lot of studies on it. There's been no, not a lot of data collected, like, the rodeo association doesn't do it like unless it's a cowboy like we kind of got to do all our own homework to make stuff like this happen i i agree and you know chad best plug and i had these conversations when he was starting up alpha bull and i said you know why don't you go see nitro circus to me that's the epitome of alternative sports that bring in motocross bring in action bring in death defying feats you know and a younger demographic who wants to see wants to see a car crash and I, I think that's what you know that's what people come to rodeo for you know the diehards go there to cheer for their for their favorites but I think the people who are emerging and coming into the sport are going there just like UFC just like Nitro Circus to see a car crash like that's why the bull riding event in my eyes is looked after and sought after is because people know that there's going to be a car crash it's just how serious is that car crash going to be so what brands fit with the car crash you know, and the ones that aren't residing in rodeo are sitting on the outside looking in at Nitro Circus or 
X Games are big. When you look at the X Game, you know, everything in X Game, both winter and summer sports, are huge sponsored events, right? So you look at, I, I'd look at companies, in, and I know they're in the U.S., but you look at Allstate Insurance and Mayhem Occurs. I'd be looking at them and go, well, Mayhem Occurs in Rodeo all the time, you know? So to me, there's a fit, right? So I'd, I'd go backwards on a lot of my things and look at, you know, where's a fit and the Allstate plays a lot in college football and there's a lot of mayhem in college football both on and off the field but when you look at stuff like that you look at opportunities insurance companies Aflac and companies like that and you go they're not in rodeo yet you think they'd be a natural fit for something like that because again high action high impact sports the fact that it's on a national stage right now with with the PBR is a huge component so I'd be looking at those other sports and and start picking them apart what do you think is maybe holding rodeo and and bull riding back at this point? What what is the next uh, step or what what are you yeah you're la- you're having a chuckle right now? What do you think needs to maybe change for that for the, us to get to that next step too? I, I think I'm going to sound like a bigot and I'm laughing because to me it seems like it's an all white sport. You know when you see stuff like the Maple Leafs and Nazem Kadri, you know East Indian kid, but there's a huge following of once you have them in your sport, they'll attend to it. Like when you look at the Stampede or, or uh, I was at Strathmore last week, the audience itself is so so white. It's so vanilla, right? And we are the minor. we will be in a few years, we will be the minority in a, unless the sport changes stuff and gets people involved with it or makes it interesting for new Canadians to attend. Like have you guys ever been to the Houston Rodeo? Okay, what's the audience look like in Houston for the rodeo? Mostly Spanish. Exactly. So you, you know where they're responding and how they're responding, and they're probably coming because there's a lot more Spanish riders and, and participants in the events as you get closer to the Mexican border, right? So you have to look at it and say, we're going to have to change things around for rodeo in its true essence, not the way that sport's been run, but get people active who can bring in other people. When I talked about Scott and his ability to, to reach different cultures and reach different audiences, color is one of them. You know, We purposely take Scott to the Ismali breakfast every year at Stampede where there's, you know, five or 6,000 people who don't know who Scott is. But we introduce them because I think it's a need because they're coming to Stampede for the food and for the rides and maybe for the post-event uh, show, but they're not coming for the rodeo. And unless we embrace them and get them involved with it, rodeo could start to start to dwindle down gradually. It'll never go away. But, you know, as we see stuff like Chuck Wagon, Chuck Wagon, there's no new Chuck Wagon drivers coming in to replace all the guys who are retiring. And probably in the last... You know, year we've had 10 guys retire from chuck wagons and one or two entries come back in as new ones like Dayton Sutherland. So I think we've got to watch for stuff like that. And you look at other sports, they don't care about, um, like the CFL has an import policy, import rule. They have to have protect X amount of Canadians. No other league in the world has a protection status. So when you look at soccer, it's blended pretty well. You look at the NFL football, it's blended pretty well. NBA basketball, they're drafting guys from China. They're drafting guys from Yugoslavia. They don't care where they're coming from. They just want the best athletes. And I think when we look at rodeo, we've got to be considering that too. How do we get a kid from the inner city or from a different culture? How do they get involved in our sport though? Like how would that even come about? I think, you know, I don't think there's a defined answer to the how you do that. But I think what you do is, you know, when we go to ranchmen's every year just before Stampede with Sheldon Kennedy and those guys, we bring in the kids up front. And the kids up front program are kids who can't afford to go to a rodeo or never been exposed to a rodeo. So the last three years we've had it, we've had 20 or 30 kids every year. And we're exposing kids who have normally wouldn't see a rodeo or get that close to a rodeo. So I think it's, it's a grassroots initiative. You can't force people, new Canadians, to participate in what we used to do for now 100 years or 200 years, right? You got a lot, 
let it come out of you naturally, but I think you just got to keep exposing it to them and getting them aware of the event and get them up and close and personal. I mean, even the younger audience, you know, when I look at my kids and not, my kids are a little bit different because they're exposed, they come out to Scott's place and they brand cattle. So they're, they're aware of that. But most of the kids that live in downtown Calgary have never been to a rodeo. Don't go to the Calgary Stampede for the rodeo. They go for ranchmen's or they, they go for cowboys or, or Knoxville's, right? You know, put up their hand on how many been to a rodeo and how many know the riders and how, how it works and and the rules and you know the point scoring system and all of those things probably come out with a zero average on everything so when we get an opportunity whether it's um the rodeos later in the fall where they're at agrium center is we try to get people involved like from date night yyc and bring them to them who have never been to a rodeo and the first priority for us is to get them a shoot tour right you've seen that we come behind the stage expose them to them let them see the animal health let them meet the riders let them understand what's going on how they're scored and now hopefully they can embrace that but i think it's going to take a while so you're not going to see it in the next couple of weeks it's going to be years before that but we can't give up got to keep exposing it to them i think it's going the right way with our pbr canada events and having them on tsn and having them in the big cities i think i think that's going the right way isn't it yeah it's starting to get there and i i think you know with scott retiring and being a little bit more visible on stuff like pbr canada helps out because he he understands the sport and he can explain it to him and he doesn't need to dummy it down right he just can explain it in his natural way and i think that's some of the things that we liked about working with scott is his ability to speak very openly and very candidly but very professionally and understand the sport so if you're getting an insider perspective him or cody snyder the same way you know they know the sport they're renowned they're awarded they're rewarded they're you know visually out there and and know what's going on and can call a spade a spade but i think you need more of that and i think it has to become a little bit more mainstream to get liked and getting a little more mainstream how, how do we how do you think we get more mainstream i think just continue it i mean i think that the one thing that i noticed and scott talked about it with is is having the riders and the, the next generation of riders having ability to capture their rides online on their phones instantly and push them out i know we don't use periscope anymore but you know twitter twitter live or facebook live or our instagram is is posting those and just getting that following but i think those are some of the things that we look at when we sponsor people is how many followers they have but who's following them because that's a bigger bigger concern about who's following them rather than just having the amount of followers or the likes and, and that is the interactions the conversations that go on between the riders and their audience that's important so when we look at stuff that zeke does for us or stuff that scott looks at it we're not just looking at how many tweets they do or how many likes they would get but how many conversations or, or how many chats they're having online about certain things are the comments that are going on between the rider and the audience those things are important so i think social media is a big thing and i think we're lacking at it in this sport I think there's some people who do it phenomenal, and those are people who are going to find sponsorship really easy. And there's people who are learning, but I think you got to embrace it and try it and just keep pushing on it. You know, so many businesses now don't even start off with PR or, or advertising campaign. Everything starts living on online and social, and it usually talks about a community, right? Some form of tr- why I want to do it. We talked about craft beer earlier. There's a community of craft beer people, and they'll f- they'll know the newest best variety of beer in calgary that's available just by the social media nothing else so i think you know if we keep pushing social media and be living in the moment and have an opportunity to say what we want to say about the sport good or bad you know and be transparent about things that that happen because i i think the biggest naysayers are the you know the animal health people that that we deal with and how we condition and how we keep our stock but as, but as soon as you take someone on a shoot tour like that, they completely understand that, that, that those are, it's totally a myth. Yeah, the strategy is called boiling the ocean. That's really what it boils down to. Is, In fact, Mo from Montana, if you talk to him, we took him on a shoot tour of the Calgary Stampede about three years ago. Him and his wife Rhonda came with us backstage. 
and again opens your eyes they didn't understand the scoring they didn't understand it but now if you ask Mo if he wants to go to the Calgary Stampede the only place he wants to go is back behind the chutes right hang out with the riders and go behind the barns in the in the stables for the chuck wagons that's where people want to be because that's where you get the authentic stories you get the authentic opportunities you know so I, I think that's where it's going to live Ted online plus you can download you can watch uh, events occur like this this weekend white court you can probably capture everything that was happened in white court instantly in the moment watching it if you just stayed close to social media right true it's true and it's what we're doing a lot with our pbr canada stuff we we have it on tsn or you can watch the highlights back on ride pass now on our monster energy tour like it's very available and we even with with our tour we send the riders their their clips so they can post them on their own channels so they get a full broadcast quality clip on their own on their own channels which which helps them and helps us at the same time yeah, I think what you're trying to do is build a sport, but build individual brands at the same time, right? You've got a, a rider who's concerned about his brand and how he, how he operates, and then you've got the association or the or the power of the, the segment that's building their brand like PBR Canada does too. I want to go back to your story, Terry, and we mentioned concussions once, and, and we talked about this before, but talk about your sports career and, uh, and the end to that. So you asked me about my education at supper time. Now it's time to go into the sports, but... Um, I went on a uh, scholarship to the University of North Dakota to play football. My first year right out of high school, and I didn't last there that long, primarily because I wasn't coached well. Football was a new emerging sport in Canada, so when you go into a U.S. system, you realize quickly that you're undercoached, and that's no one's fault but mine. Came back to Canada, played four years at the Canadian uh, Junior Football League with the Prairie, Prairie Division with the Winnipeg Hawkeyes. In the meantime, I got offers, two or three of them, to go to the U.S. back into California and play California. But, you know, in the old days, it was, it's, it's kind of like bull riding. You, you, you lost the stinger. You know, you got concussed. What you, you didn't know you got concussed. You got your, your bell rung, and you went through that. I played high-level hockey. I refereed high-level hockey. I did roller hockey. So I got multiple blows to the head. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny when you think about it, but two or three years ago, I was diagnosed with Parkinson. And some of the questions that they talked about when they asked me is like, did you play high-level sport and you play contact sports? Yes. Do you live in the country? Yes. Do you have access to pesticides? Yes. Did you drink well water? Yes. Do you remember every concussion that you had? No. You know, so it took its toll on me. And, you know, I'm kind of glad now with the four kids at home that they played all the high-level sports that the boys aren't playing sports anymore, just primarily because they see what condition that I'm in today. One of the things that we did about four years ago is we brought Chris Nowinski, who runs a brain bank down in, in uh, Boston, and he came up and talked about the education of concussions and how to how to control things that we can control. And one of the things that I learned, you know, playing sports at a younger age was that contact was part of the game at every point, practice or game. And if you take the practice component and control a practice component, you stand a better chance at it. One of the things that we did with our kids' football clubs was when we brought Chris up and talked about this is control the things that we can control. So we took hitting out of practice completely. And, you know, and four or five years ago, if you asked me if you took hockey and you took the contact out of hockey at a young age, I would have went, you're crazy. You know, the purist in me says you, you got to teach the kids properly how to hit at a young age and accept how to hit and how to take a hit. Now I look at things and I'm a, a different perspective completely, you know, just primarily because of the things that you can't control. You know, you know you're going to get hit in the game. And the play position that I played was an interior lineman. So every play that you're button heads with someone or had contact with someone. Hockey was the same way. We lived in an era where we, the, the emergence of visors and, and face masks were just coming into play. So 
we had respect for each other. If someone high sticked you in the face, you high stick them back in the face, right? Because you had no protection. And I think nowadays, a lot of the protection companies, I don't want to say they're to blame, but certainly the, the kids today, and you guys fill into that, you know, there's an invincibility component of it that you can go in and, and get hit or take a hit because you're completely shrouded with the best in protective equipment. When I was growing up, we didn't have that type of things. And you see that with even bull riding or rodeo. You know, the emergence of neck braces and the emergence of safeties and helmets and stuff like that. The helmets aren't there to prevent a concussion, but they're to prevent even more damage that potentially could get hurt. Yes, I'm on this kick. I'm really on a heavy kick. And, you know, it it comes down to now we know a lot more about what's gone on with concussions and how it affects mental health and, you know, depression. And we've seen it in our own lives personally. You know, and and you don't want to see it happen to another person. So I'm a little bit of an advocate. A lot of the guys who are retired who maybe weren't a high profile in the NHL are coming out and speaking out very loudly and very candidly about, you know, their mental state right now. And and that's a shame. And I probably, I'm not a huge betting man, but if I put money on it, once Sidney Crosby retires, he'll become the biggest advocate for, for concussions and mental health because I think his body's been just tortured. You know, and there's a guy who's the poster child of the NHL right now. He's not going to say anything about concussions or his mental health state. But I think once his career's over, I think that shoe's going to drop really quickly. And, you know, Carla McLeod and I were talking the other day at the winter, the Canada Winter Games in 2019 going to Red Deer. And we said, you know, they're, they're trying to restrict it and trying to control it in the NHL and the NFL. But when they see a violation, a guy gets suspended for a day or a game or two games right and it has to be you got to match the the punishment up with the crime right and just say you know in order to stop this and and stop the purposeful headshots that go on in, in either sport or any of the sports you got to punish these guys a little bit more like 10 days or 10 games out of their pocket and see what happens then because chances are they'll start to slow these things down and no one wants to be messed up for life can you imagine being a pro athlete like a Sidney Crosby who's making millions of dollars of money and making that decision on your career going, do I give up the money or do I give up the life? Because that's what you're doing is you're shortening your life potentially by a few years just because of what you don't know what you're getting into and it's all neurological. You know, I got diagnosed four years ago with carpal tunnel syndrome. That's what they thought I had. And then I, I went to a neurologist and within two minutes he diagnosed me with early onset Parkinson's. I guess uh, like going back to what you're saying about like having all the available resources and guys like knowing and taking advantage like that's like the thing, especially with like rodeo guys too and stuff like it goes back to yeah like I know it's part of that video with like the rodeo source medicine team medicine team and that one Scott was in it's like people are like there's like there's that me- mentality where the sports medicine guys are they're, they're like against you like trying to stop you from competing but really like they they want you to keep going as bad as you want to keep going and like i was i was fortunate enough like I, i'm i'm really good friends with brandon he helped me along with my struggles or whatever you want to call it with head injuries and he got me hooked up with dr benson at the cop clinic and that's he's an amazing guy and like he he's kind of the one who put kind of put it into perspective for me when i was having like all the trouble towards the end of it and he's just kind of like if you look at yourself three years ago, like, would you be getting these symptoms and stuff from, like, taking the mind? Like, the, I'd land on my back and I'd have symptoms come back. Like, it just, like, it's kind of, like, put it into perspective. It's like, well, no. Like, three years ago, I'd be, I could take that little hit and go. And then just, like, having that outside looking in or, like, that having that resource to go and talk to you about it. And, like, he's the one who put the question forward to me was, like, is the, worth, the risk worth the reward anymore? kind of thing so like taking advantage of those resources is huge and like they're out there and they're for free for the most part if you like if like for especially for the rodeo guys so it's like it's so huge to like realize that they're there to help you not to prevent you from doing what you want to do no one's there to slow down your career right you know but it's taking those precautions to understand you know what potentially lies ahead for you and what risk you want to take like i saw jay moody at stampede a couple weeks ago 
he looks like one banged up cowboy. Like he, he doesn't look like he's fully recovered from the, the last episode that he had. And then I heard I hadn't seen, but Chase Outlaw got thrown off and I, I saw him at Stampede. He looked great. And then what a week later, something happened in Montana where he got into a wreck, right? You know? So I think everybody on a pro career, I think we know a lot more than we did 30 years ago. And we probably know a lot more than we did five years ago. And we'll continue to learn on, the, on those things. But take advantage of what other people's episodes are learning so you don't make the same mistake. And like I said, I use my boys as a reference because they look at me and I've got, I've got an artificial knee. I've got an artificial hip. I've got pins in my teeth. <laughs> I've got Parkinson's. They look at me and they go, I don't think we want to be like that in that way in 20 or 30 years. So. You know, the decisions they made, I applaud them for making those decisions just primarily because they were playing the same contact sports that I was playing at the same level, you know, and I don't want to see them walking around at 30 years old or 40 years old going, you know, I wish I would have made that decision when I was 20, when I was smart enough with all the people around it. So use the resources, use other people. And, you know, Chad, Chad and I talked about this a few months ago. He says he applauds me for being very vocal about my situation with Parkinson's. But I said, I think, you know, for me, I want to leave the world in a better place and help educate those people who are are behind me going, you know, I had that same scenario 20 or 30 years ago. Don't make the same mistake that I did because we know just a ton more than we did back then, right? It was just normal, you know, and and yet you see sports like soccer who aren't, soccer or rugby aren't experiencing the same things that the NFL are or the hockey, and that's primarily, I'm in belief that it's around the equipment that we're wearing. You know, when you strip down to nothing and play rugby, and you don't see the concussion issues that they do. Do they have them? Sure they do, but not in the volumes that we see because of both the recipient and the, and the enforcer that goes after them in, in hockey and in football. Talking about the future, what does the future look like for you in the next few years as far as ATB and in the rodeo business and, and what, you're doing with, what you're doing moving forward? You, just, you spoke about it a little bit as far as leaving the world in a better place and explaining what's going on with yourself with Parkinson's and whatnot, but what, what does the future look like for you, Terry? You know what, I, I really don't know. I'm just kind of going at it as, as I normally did. You know, I don't look at it too far in advance, and I don't look at it too far behind me either. It's just taking one day at a time and looking at it. I think one of the things I've been fortunate enough to do, and this is where I talk about that cross-pollinization, is I have a big audience or a big following, both rurally and urban. So I can play in urban, Calgary, Edmonton, or I can play in rural Alberta because that's where I love to be. And uh, I know that those things are important. So I think my future is really based on where I want to go and how I want to do it. So don't give it too much thought on a regular basis. I'm, I'm in a comfortable zone. Uh, I think the people like me at ATB, I like what I do. I think I've, I've got a, a good following internally as well as externally that I've got some fans that we've managed to work together. And it's come from a lot of hard work. So I really don't put too, too much thought into it. I do want to leave the world in a better place. And I think that's that's uh, everything that everybody I talk to is in the same boat is, you know, you want to leave it in, in a better place than you, you saw it in initially. Our last question is uh, what your de- definition of cowboy shit is. Well, I'm going to, I'm good friends with the uh, manager of Aerosmith. And they, there's an album that they put out about 20 years ago called A Night in the Ruts. So you either can spend a night in the ruts or kick it right in the nuts. That's what cowboy shit is to me. I like that. <laughs> So did you just say you're, you're good friends with the manager of Aerosmith? 
Well, Rich is a uh, manager of Foreigner and, and uh, Aerosmith and a whole bunch of other bands that are out of my era. So I got to meet him through a company called Energy Disruptors. He sits on the board, and we, we've had some good conversations about the change in music, you know, and where music's going over the last 20 years. It's no longer about selling albums. It's about selling merchandise and tickets and being entertainer on stage and dreaming music. You're not selling full albums anymore. You're putting out singles. You're putting out, you know, EPs. You're putting out things on iTunes at, at an arm. So... That's one of my job, the best things about my job. I get to meet all these interesting people, right? I never know who I'm going to meet today or tomorrow, but it's usually a cool conversation that comes out of it. What, what can you tell us about what you do? I, I'm curious about that now. What else is it that you, that you work on in a day? What does a day look like for you, Terry? Day in the life, yeah. <laughs> Every day's different. It's completely different. If you talk to my dad, my dad only thinks I drive around the province and drink beer and eat food. That's, that's his, his theory of, of what I do as a job, but... Every day is different. Working in agriculture, you know, we, we focused a, a growth pattern and a strategy based on, you know, serving local and, and abiding by local. And I think, you know, ATB could be looked at as one of the pioneers to grow the, the craft beer industries in, in Alberta, as well as the distilled product, as well as the food and really energizing and ramping up that local story. So every day is different, you know. And I, I think that's one of the good, cool things that I've been known for is anything that I tweet or post on social media, it's usually about other people, not about me. And usually good photography, you know, Todd Coral contributes to that, having access to Todd really good. But uh, going to breweries, going to meaderies, going to good restaurants, hanging out with some good farming people, some agricultural people. And then looking at the urban scene of picking hops with Village Brewery and getting involved with projects, you know, doing folk fests. So every day is different. I can't label what I do from 9 o'clock or five to 5 o'clock because sometimes the day starts at 5 or 6 in the morning and sometimes it ends at midnight. So there is there is no such thing as a typical day. What would you explain to people as your title there then? Well, I'm the director of community initiatives, which is really broad and, and open-based, <laughs> which means I can do anything I want, but it really circles around partnerships and community sponsorships. So involved with the Flames, involved with the, the Stampeders, involved with, with the Oilers and the WHL and the AJHL, as well as Rodeo, as well as Folk Fest, Arts and Culture. So we tell touch things that you guys may not see in the segment but certainly on on an urban side you know we were just involved with the calgary folk festival which is a kind of a cool event that we got to see a whole different perspective i i got introduced to it two years ago went dressed like this blue jeans and cowboy boots and i was ill prepared everybody was in shorts and birkenstocks (laughs) so i learned pretty quick i gotta go upgrade my wardrobe if i want to attend this and not look out of place but it, it takes me into certain parts of the province that i've never been to yet and uh i have a lot of fun enjoy it being in the banking industry and with the people that listen to our show i don't know who they all are but from the cowboy side of things what should I, what should our average cowboy average listener what do they know about banking and 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 that side of things like what what is what is the, the most important thing that that the consumer should know about a bank well i think it like anything and i i look at myself as a ruralite everything that i've done and, and built on and i see it in my parents and i see it in my kids and anybody in rural Alberta is really, it's its about the relationship. You know, you can have a, a commodity because that's what a bank really trades on is a commodity. We sell product, but it's knowing someone there in case something goes right or something goes wrong, that you can have that connection to it. So I think, you know, we lived our lives in, in rural towns. We know people, we trusted them. And I, I think that's what the agriculture and the rodeo, you know, community is about is, is trust in a relationship. Most of our business comes from referrals. It doesn't come from advertising and marketing. It comes from people recommend somebody and they know who to go to to connect them. So, But I think the, the industry is changing dramatically. When you look at that global sense, and I talked a bit about color earlier, you know, when you go to Northern Africa and you get off the plane as a new person in Northern Africa, 
the first thing you do is buy a phone. And usually now those those phones come with a service provider, and those service providers are now banks. And people are used to doing stuff digitally now and electronically. So some of that relationship component is going to go away. You know, the human nature still wants to migrate back to knowing people in case something is wrong. I can pick up the phone and call Terry. So the bank, the banking industry is transforming very, very rapidly. I mean, I've got Apple Pay on my phone. I can just tap now and go. I don't even have to put in my authorization code or anything like that. So, And with everything that's good, there's always those bad things that go with it, right? heard some stories a couple of weeks ago about a, a guy in New York City that walks through the subways with a machine and everybody with a close frequency, the tap, whatever your tap limit is, is getting tapped. So he can walk through a train car and get thousands of dollars just by doing nothing but walking close to the people with a tap authorization on their car. So everything that's good about tap, there's always something that's bad about tap. We'll probably see a lot of disruption. We'll start to see the emergence of, you know, there's always skepticism around Apple being a bank now because they've got all your information. You're buying stuff with them. You're trading on buying credits for for iTunes and downloads and stuff like that. Technically, they're a bank. They're holding money. So we've heard, you know, Apple talking about getting into the industry. We've talked about Google. We've heard Google getting into the industry. So we'll probably see a little bit more disruption. And it's kind of like the big guys may take them out. So you may see RBC or you may see a CIBC, you know, like the beer industry, you know, buying buying the smaller players out who have a territorial impact. So you may see stuff like that occur, but certainly I don't have a magic crystal ball in, in mind, but I know there's a lot of change going on in that industry because, you know, the millennials and you guys are part of that generation. You, you trust everything on, online. You probably do a ton more purchasing than I've done. You've probably done more in a month than I've done in a year online with your purchase. And, and you guys are shaking your head. You're going, yeah, that's exactly what it's about. So we think banking is going to start to shift a lot, a little quicker to that type of format and platform. Well, thanks for taking the time to do this, though, and thanks for taking the time to meet us here and set this up, too, for the, the supper here at Montana's. Well, thanks. No problem. we got to thank Mo and his, his partners for uh, allowing us to kind of jump in and take over the place. And the birthday parties are gone, so we don't have to listen to the happy birthday songs or the moose antlers walking around. So, But thanks, Mo. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Terry. Thanks, Ted. Thanks, Wacy. That's Terry Andrio from ATB Financial. And this is episode 19 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. We'll be back. You're listening to Cowboy Shit, brought to you by Everything Cowboy. So how about that chat we had with Terry? That's pretty awesome, man. I like taking the pod out and about it's to different fun. places. It's fun to go adventuring. Different with the pod, different eh? settings and stuff. And it was really cool. Like, Terry's a very interesting guy to talk to, and having somebody's perspective on stuff like who like wasn't traditionally around, like growing up on a in the rodeo scene or not being around for so much is it's pretty cool to see a guy, like, especially with a great business mind like his. It's pretty cool to hear his opinions and perspectives on things. I I really enjoy that kind of stuff. Me too. He's a good was... guy to talk to in general. Oh yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. Big fan of that one. I'm, uh, again, appreciate Terry for taking the time to be on the show and meeting mm-hmm. us at Montana's and, and uh, Mo Aladdin of, of Montana's for supper. And yeah, that was huge. Having us out. Huge play. It's fantastic. It's great, great. We're, we're fed, we're watered. And we're full and we're ready for bed. Make it's, sure you go check out your own mon- local Montana's. Yeah, Montana's, Swiss Chalet, or Harvey's. Any of the above Any, in Western All Canada. of the above, eat there. Eat there. They got food. Tell them we sent you. eat. <laughs> tell them we. Tell them the pod sent you. Tell them we <laughs> sent you. They're probably not going to get you anything, but that's fine. Hey, but you can uh, still you tell go them. There on your, if you go there on your birthday, wear the hat. Sing the song. Eat the cake. Because it's your day. You get cake there? Yeah, that's why you tell them it's your birthday. Damn. You didn't know. That's, we were trying to get Cody to do it, but he like, wasn't down we or what? We should have done it. Someone should just took a bullet for the boys. That, that, that one was going to be Cody's, but he didn't do it. Rude. 
How about that man mug that you got? That's a huge beer. That's why that like was a, neat. a gallon of beer. 32 ounces. How many ounces in a gallon? It's not a gallon. Oh. Probably a half gallon. Half gallon. Couple of 64 couple, ounces is. But that was a, a two, couple of liters of beer. Uh, let's look at this. Uh, let's go off liters because we're Canadian. So how 32 many? 32 ounce. How many liters in 32 two ounces? Oh, it's not even a liter. 0.94. Really? It's not even a liter of beer? No. I'm, I suck. You're a pussy. Stuff. That's a huge beer, though. It was good. A liter of beer? It's it's basically a liter of beer. Basically a liter, a liter of beer. liter of beer. Yeah. A liter of cola. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you had a nice raspberry beer, too. Yep. That's as far as we're going to go with that one. <laughs> it was good. That no, was good. I, like uh, I said before, it's fun taking the pot on the road. and Yeah. I'm, 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 a huge, I'm a huge fan of that, actually. It's, yeah. big, it's really cool. I'm, yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. So, so should we do it again somewhere? We probably should. Uh, I guess the next show. Oh, next show. It's going to be a good one. Can we talk about it? Nope. It's going to be a surprise. Ooh, baby. It's going to be a hot one. It's going to be good. Probably our most famous guest yet. Teaser. Yeah. Pro- like, can it, we're, talking, we're talking to Canadian a Canadian icon. Yeah, exactly. That's the words exactly that I was going to say. I read your, read your lips. Probably one of the most famous people in our whole country, actually. When people think of Canada, they think of this Our next guest. Person. On next on episode twenty, the big the twentieth episode. It's like our birthday. It, it pretty much is. This is huge, people. If you're gonna listen, if you listen to only one episode, you're gonna in your whole it. life. This is the one episode you want to listen to. You're gonna want like not to this, this one, one we're on right now, like but this the is, next this one. This one's really good too. Yeah, but like if there's one episode you if listen there's to, there's two. It'd be this one and then the next. You one. basically gotta listen. You, like to hear me say this, you have to. Li- you're already listening to this one. But if there's one, that's <laughs> one the one. More. One more. If the, if this, if there, yeah. It's another one. That's they're the already one. listening to this You want to listen to that one. You want to listen to the next one. Because it's huge. going to be, it's going to be huge. Huge. Because probably going to change the game in the pod, in our pod life. Yeah. We might have to retire after that one. Might be Shut her down. Day. Yeah. 20 shows, we're done. How about Three our boy Launder at Man finishing fourth in Tulsa this weekend? That's huge. Yeah. He did awesome. He went up eight spots in the world standings. Yeah. Shitty news for Brock Radford fucking up his knee. Yeah, that's he didn't get back trouble. to me today. I asked him if he got his MRI yet. No. Hopefully, report. hopefully it's not as bad as they say at least, and or yeah. if it's, or he can still manage without it. But I think he's going to go regardless. Well, he, he, there's yeah. the thing with the knees; they can't really fuck him up any worse, right? No, it just hopefully doesn't hinder like his actually like riding. Yeah, hopefully you can still snap him out for. A bunch yeah, of that's the that's the ticket. Winning. Yeah, so no, it's good, man. Uh, yeah, Lonnie. I'm though, pumped about that. Lonnie's got more points now than it took to make the World Finals last year. There you go. So could be there i would love to see that i'm i'm his number one fan i'm a big fan of lonnie west as Mm -hmm. well that's my boy team canada report team canada report since we're on the subject six canadians inside the top 15 of the pro rodeo world standings whoa Oren larson all the way up to number seven in the bareback he's been cruising man one hermiston one strathmore he's got eighty three thousand one of the years he's a winning fool that guy but then we've got three bareback riders in the top 20. Clint Lay is 16th, Luke Creasy's 19th, and Ty Tippett's 20th. He's been on fire too, Ty. But he's still 18,000 bucks out of the 15th place. There's a big gap there between 20th and 15th. And he's got, what, a month left? Yeah, really now. Like today's, uh, this this is the second full week in August. Today's the 13th. Yeah, the show's going to go out on the 15th. Six weeks left in the season, so. But he 20, thought that big Northwest run could do it. Yeah, and a guy could do really good in Pialop, and uh, there's a lot, there's lots to go in yeah. left. Armstrong could be a good check. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. 
There's lots left. So. It's not out of reach by any means. Yeah, let's, they're a ways away, though, so they got to do some serious winning. But the Bulldoggin, we got Scott Ginsner. He's only 14,000 out of first. He's second in the world in the Holy Bulldoggin. Holy cow. Curtis Cassidy's third in the Bulldoggin. He's at uh, he's about 17,000 away from first. But both of them guys, guys should kicking be. kicking ass. They'll be back to the finals for sure, uh, both making a, their... They're going to make a run at a world title, those guys. Yeah, they're right in it there. Tanner Milan also been uh, on a streak here. He's 17th, so he's in the hunt. Sweet. Bronk Rodden, we got Zeke Thurston, number five. He's got 96000 almost 96000 bucks. Not a bad year. And a new dad. New papa. This week. Clay Elliott's just a little bit behind him. He's in seventh. Looks like he's going to go back to his, uh, this will be Clay's third in a Third consecutive. Already. Is it consecutive? I think so. Should be, yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Carmen Pazabon looking to make her first trip to the NFR. The Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. Wrangler. Tenth in the WPRA World Standings, $84,000. She's doing good, too. She's kicking ass. And she is in there right now by 26000 so she's damn near punched her ticket. Yeah, that's awesome. See, she's good getting pretty close. So I'm going to say Oren's already there. Scott's already there. So um, we got we got five, Zeke. I think, already. And For sure. Yeah. yeah, you got Oren, Scott, Curtis, Zeke, Clay. Carmen's damn close, so... It's just a matter of our. Uh, we could have we could have up to nine, depending on all if, if all the other other guys make it in there. Uh, Tyrell can't be far out of it. Uh, I didn't see him. He's not top twenty, but I, I didn't look very far much farther down. But he's still a big. He's a big gap away from mm. from fifteenth. But uh, but yeah, our bareback riders. I mean, if they could go on a winning streak, Clint Lay might make it back there. He's he's probably uh, well. Tanner Milan's the closest to being in right now. But uh, Clint Lay sixteenth. And here's another one though. Not a Canadian, but J.W. Harris. He's 15th in the bull riding, but it's super tight there at the bottom. He's right climbed now. his way back, though. That's He's huge. He's got like $71,000 one. Like, nice. the bull riding is going to take quite a bit to make this year. That's good. Oh, but, a few uh, bulls. Yeah. You got anything else for this show? Talk about the PBA a little bit, where yeah. our boys are. Well, we can. All, the only thing that's really changed is that uh, Lonnie's 25th. Lonnie's 25. Brock's 30th. Kurt, Dakota's still our guy at number yeah, 13. 13. Tanner's 23rd, nah. I believe now. Yeah, 23rd. Yeah. That's uh, what you said. Yeah. Cody Coverjack's pretty close. That's Where do they go this week? Uh, Nashville. Nashville. Smashville. Oh, 100 G to win there. Yeah, the big major. So cool. Be a good show. Hopefully, those boys do well. Thanks again, Terry Andrew, for being on the show this week. Thank you. Signing off, episode 19. See you in two weeks from now. Two. We'll see you the in two 20th. weeks for episode number 20 with the mystery cowboy guest. Bye bye. This is Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy, brought to you by Everything Cowboy.